Hello and welcome to the Crying Burns Calories podcast. I'm your host, Katie Saltzman, personal trainer, nutrition coach, entrepreneur, creator, and expert in teaching women how to take back control of their health, their mindset, and their happiness. Most of you know me as a nutrition coach, but this podcast and this platform is going to be so much more. This is a place where I want to be able to talk about it all. Yes, of course, health and fitness, but also relationships, social media, adulting, hormones, just life. I want this podcast to cover all the ups and downs, and I want you to know that you're not alone. Ultimately, I'm here to give you the confidence to break through what's holding you back to embrace who you fully are and show up authentically in life. Because life is messy, it's not perfect and it's not meant to be. So grab your wine, a drink, or if you're like me, that chocolate or that ice cream, because it's time to take our stories and the things we go through and make them our superpower. It's time to laugh, cry, learn, and understand that we are all in this together. So let's dive in. I am so excited about this podcast episode today. I have my friend Mackenzie Koss on, and I'm really, really pumped for us to dive into hormones and talking about women in just a different aspect. So Mackenzie is a hormone specialist with women. She is the founder of the Well-Fed Woman, and she is also a certified doula. And I have a lot of questions for her today that I'm personally interested in, and I know that all of you will be. So Mackenzie, thank you so much for being on. Welcome to the Crying Burns Calories podcast. Thank you so much, Katie. It's amazing to be on. And I've been a huge fan listening to your podcast. I will say there was a few times, especially my first trimester when I was struggling that I would just listen and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm crying right now. This is, (laughs) I'm in it. (laughs) Especially that first trimester when it hits. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you're just trying to process all of your emotions. And if you had sickness like me, you're like, oh, I can't even eat a cracker and you know, just want to throw it up. It's fine. I'll just cry. (laughs) Yeah. I'll just cry. It's fine. I don't know this personally, but I feel like you and all of my friends are like prepping me for what's to come and what to expect. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's, it's a beautiful journey. I do like to ha- have jokes about it though, because you kind of have to laugh at some things where like some of it's just out of your control and that's completely fine. Um, I picked my, I don't do uh new year's resolutions. I always pick like a word and ironically I picked the word surrender before I even knew I was pregnant. And I remember like taking a few tests and I was like, all right, this is me now realizing I need to surrender into this next chapter Yes. And it's going to be great. Um, but yeah, it is pretty comical. Some of the things that happen to you or like happen to your body and stuff when you're pregnant that people don't talk about. I was like, this is very interesting right now. So I'm telling you, I'm here. I'm hearing all about it. I have a couple of different friends that are pregnant right now. And they're like, Katie, you should see my nipples. They're like, yes. Huge. Oh my gosh. The Like, I think it was beginning of my third trimester that I was like getting adjusted at the chiropractor and I felt something like on my shirt. I was like, oh, what is that? And I look and it's just a ring around my nipple. I was like, oh, cool. I have to go to the grocery store after this. So luckily I had a sweatshirt because I was like, otherwise people are just going to be staring at me like white t-shirt just. So that happens before you have the kid. 
Oh yeah. So it's colostrum that will leak mm-hmm. out a little bit. And it's, it is such an interesting sensation. Um, I have to say you get very in tune with your body. So does your partner. Yeah. Um, and it's hilarious. Hey, you're on this journey with me, buddy. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know. Like, okay, we're just, we're just rolling we're in this together. Yes. I'm like, all right, this is oh, happening next. It's fine. My gosh. Well, I know Mackenzie's story and sort of why she got into women's health and why she started, but I would love you to tell everybody what got you interested in diving into women, women's bodies, women's hormones, and then obviously now becoming a doula. Yeah. Aspects of it. Yeah. So kind of going back, I would say growing up. So I have three older brothers, so, you know, not a competitive household whatsoever. I mean, Uh, yes, it was, it was always fun. And, um, I was always determined just to kind of have a name for myself versus like being, you know, Nick's little sister, Ben or whatever. And Mm -hmm. it was at a young age that I got really into, um, running specifically track and field was just like my bread and butter. Absolutely loved it. Mm -hmm. Um, and yes. (laughs) <laughs> that is talent. <laughs> um, well, I was like, I, I could play basketball, but I was like, outside of that with any hand-eye coordination stuff, I was like, I'm, I'm good at running. I'm going to stick with this. Yeah. I love doing this. Um, and my, so both of my parents were like athletic and everything. My mom was a gymnast. And one cool thing with my mom was title nine was passed when she was in sorry, mom, I'm going to age you, but like, I think high school. So she actually got to earn a scholarship and be one of the first people in her family to go to college on a scholarship for gymnastics, which was fantastic. Um, that's unreal. Yes, it was. And that, I think that just kind of sparked, like my parents always made sure we were involved in something because they're like, you have to have like something that you're passionate about. Like, let's figure that out. And I, have always appreciated that about them. And that's something like my husband and I want to have for our kiddo is like, let's put you in different things like that you're interested in, whether it's art or music or sports, like whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think that's so important for kids. And especially like when you get into adulthood for your work ethic, your imagination, all, all these things that tie together and like even how you view yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, And so running just became my thing. I absolutely loved it. And so I started semi what competitive, like you start in middle school, essentially Mm -hmm. um, competing and everything. And then high school. And I was able to um, run in college, which was fantastic. Um, But with going from like high school into college, there are huge changes when it comes to like the amount of training, what your body goes through and everything like that. Um, and as a freshman in college, I had actually started having issues with my period. I was not having it as consistently. It was always like very spot on. And at one point I lost it completely. I was not sexually active at the time or like on birth control or anything. So I just instinctively knew something was up. Um, and I, I went about six, six and a half months without it. And a lot of times for female runners, um, this is something called reds now what they call it, but I was running myself into the ground quite literally. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how many days a week were you training? Sorry, repeat that. How many days a week were you training? Oh my gosh. It was like 
six, seven days a week with active rest days. I mean, not an actual rest day. And it, I feel like part of it was, you know, due to you go from training a certain way in high school and stuff, and obviously your body's changing hormones, all of that, but consistently being on for something like that without having breaks or looking at people as an individual was just an interesting thing. And we were doing a lot of similar workouts to the men on the team, which was something that I kind of was a little outspoken about because not that I didn't think, oh, I can't do that. It was more like, we have a cycle every 28 to 31 days. Why are we training to be like tiny men versus just training like individual, the individuals that we are and knowing that, you know, your performance might be a little different when you are on your menstrual phase and you're bleeding and you feel, you know, very not good. Yeah. I can remember, I mean, certain races and stuff where this might be TMI, but I think it's important to talk about is Mm -hmm. I would like bleed through the bottom of my uniform because I was pushing so hard you know, you don't have enough time to always change out tampon cup, whatever you're using. Mm -hmm. And that just was a lot to take on, I feel like. Um, And I knew that something was up. So I had connected, we had like kind of a, she wasn't just for our team, but kind of school wide ish, I would say dietitian. Mm -hmm. And this is nothing against dietitians. Every nutritionist, dietitian, and everybody in any health field is different. But I can distinctively remember going to her office and trying to have a conversation about what was going on. And I remember her trying to tell me that I could fuel an eight mile run with 10 peanuts. And I just looked at her and I said, you know, well, what do you, what do you mean by that? Like, I'm so confused. And It was then that I kind of just realized like, nobody's going to solve this for me. Everyone has a different opinion. And I, I could just feel that there, I wasn't the only one struggling. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times, especially in sports like running or gymnastics, or even um, for men or women, like in wrestling, there is a heavy amount of eating disorders, Mm -hmm. especially around like how hard you're training, how hard, like making sure that you're a certain body type and stuff. And I was a lot taller and just built different um, than a lot of the girls. And that always was kind of in a way a mind fuck because I thought, oh, I'm not small enough. I'm not training hard enough at times. And Mm -hmm. I luckily did not have an eating disorder, but there were people that I ran with that definitely had eating disorders. And that Mm -hmm. made me really sad because nobody was advocating for them or even noticing that. It sounds Um, like you were so wildly in tune with what was going on, like way before the industry became in tune with what was going on, because I feel like now it's just advocating towards, um, obviously like when it comes to nutrition and athletes for a while, like losing your cycle was actually like celebrated in some aspects, which is so crazy. It is crazy because it's, um, I can remember I didn't enjoy it because I felt it was almost this like numb feeling because Mm -hmm. I wasn't going through all four phases. I wasn't having my hormones operate as they should. Mm -hmm. And 
I did at one point think, you know, this is a nuisance to have to like wear tampons or do this or that, or have to worry about this while I'm trying to train and like be the best athlete that I can be. Yeah. The reality. That's what was keeping me healthy overall. That's what was helping me to not have injuries and just yeah. function as a normal human being, because when you lose your cycle for a while, depending on what it's from, it takes a bit to come back into that and actually be consistent and feel good. Yes. It's like I had lost a piece of myself and kind of that like feminine piece um, that just felt so interesting to me. Um, and I realized like, no, this isn't making me any less of an athlete mm. by going through this, this is actually enhancing it. And I mean, I think about some, I think it was a couple years ago, there was a woman who was pregnant at the Olympic trials, like competing for the Olympics. And I just remember thinking like, this is so amazing to see that we have come kind of full circle. And instead of having it be a negative thing, we're celebrating that we are different as women and yes. that we can literally do anything while we bleed or, you know, perhaps yes. when there's a child inside of you that you're growing. I mean, it's, I, it's phenomenal. I feel like the representation is there now, which is so yeah. exciting and so cool to see. It has to be really cool for you to see because you were in it before that yeah. even started. But now we finally have like nutrition studies and fitness studies, not just being yeah. done on men, right? Cause for so long, exactly. they're only done on men. We see Olympic teams at training, like the women are training completely different and they're training for their cycles. We see pregnancy being represented in almost every aspect of, oh, yeah. of careers, which is so it's something you never saw before. No. And it's, it's really amazing to see that because for so long, I feel like it was almost, I don't, I don't want to say shamed, but I mean, even in some cultures, like even getting your cycle, you're, you literally can't go to school or do certain yeah. things, which is so heartbreaking, but it's so empowering to see that happening and that women are truly owning their bodies for all mm -hmm. that they can do. Yeah, absolutely. It's understanding that our cycles don't hold us back. Like if we're actually connected to them, they can really skyrocket us forward. But absolutely. most of the time we're so disconnected. Um, I want to talk about when you lost your cycle and you got it back. Cause this happened with yeah. me, not, not as like super recent, but in the last couple of years. And I noticed that when I lost my cycle was when I had been overly stressed for a really long time. And then I came wow. here to Denver. And I felt like I was out of the stress and that's yeah. when I lost it. And that was confusing to me, understanding that like, wait, 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 I'm in a better situation now. And I still lost it. And it took about six months to get back. And I think for me and where a lot of women are that are like working on their hormones is they instinctively want to push themselves, right? I work with a lot yeah. of women that are like go-getters, hustlers, type A. We're like learning the slow. Oh, yeah. And we go into a season of slow and yes, our cycle gets better and we're seeing improvements, but we also want to like push ourselves again. How do you help women handle like the slow phase and intertwining it with the push? I love that because I definitely struggled with that when I had lost my cycle because I instinctively knew like you have to slow down. Mm. Your body is quite literally telling you what the hell are you doing yeah. to me? 
I like knock, knock, hello, red flag after red flag. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was, um, actually adding in yoga. So my, one of my sister-in-laws that I'm very close to, she's known me since I was 12 years old, but my first ever yoga class I went to when I think I was 13 or 14 was her class. And I was just like blown away. And I started implementing like stretching and stuff like that in high school. And then in college, I kind of got a little away from that because you're balancing, you know, school, being an athlete, all these things. And, you know, finding yourself when you're 18, 19 yeah. years old, you're like, oh, I'm away from home. <laughs> and I never will forget when I found um, in the town that I was going to college, this little yoga studio that I absolutely loved. And um, I started going once a week and I had talked with my coach and said, hey, I want to be doing this on my quote unquote active rest days once a week because this is what's going to like continue to get me to where I need to be back at. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had, I was like super low body fat and stuff. Like even my coach was concerned and it was because I was missing my cycle. I wasn't like operating as a normal human being. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of going through the motions, which is honestly one of the worst feelings ever. Cause it's, it's like you're on autopilot and yeah. you're not in control of anything. Yeah. So it took me to kind of come back to something that I knew was gonna help me balance. And with anything like breath work is a huge thing. And especially for running, because if you panic or something, your breath starts to, you know, quicken Mm -hmm. and stuff, and then your muscles can tighten up, you can mess up how you know, you are mentally and everything in a race. And that was just something that brought me back to equilibrium. So anytime, especially even now in pregnancy, I am feeling overwhelmed. I am making sure that I am going back to something that brings me peace and harmony. Mm -hmm. And with anybody that I work with, I kind of ask them like, what are things or places? Like if you close your eyes and describe to me like your ideal scenario or environment where you feel grounded and safe and you're not thinking about your to-do list like what does that look like like tell me what that looks like describe it to me whether it's going for a walk or meditating or even instead of you know after being on a screen all day long and then going on your phone you know before bed you're on there for like what 10 13 hours yeah what are some things that are going to make you feel good so you can unwind whether it's reading or drawing or going to a park and watching the sunset. I mean, little things that add up because you can do it all if you want, but you cannot do it all when you are up here constantly in that fight or flight situation, your cortisol, adrenaline, everything is just fighting against you. Um, Cause that's, that's when I started to perform better. I was doing better in school. I was sleeping better. Um, and I feel like for a lot of women, we feel like we have to take everything on and making sure that you are implementing things that are actually going to make you feel good and slow down and realizing leaning into that slowness isn't going to prevent you from getting to your goals. Mm. It's not going to prevent you from 
you know, feeling better or excelling on your health journey, it's actually going to help your entire body just come back to that equilibrium, feel good, um, and stop. One of the biggest things, and I don't know if you ever say this, maybe in different words, but it's like... That makes so much sense because I feel like women in general are, we're so weight loss driven that we are scared for a phase of slow. We think I'll just skip that phase of slow and just keep working and working and working. Right. Because we were taught at a young age, like calories in and calories out. We weren't taught how important our cycles are for, and how important ovulation is for performance, for energy, just to thrive in our lives. Right. And it's understanding that leaning into a phase of softness will actually get us closer to our goals than further away. Yes, absolutely. And I love that you said it and worded it like that, where it's like, you're leaning into that softness and, kind of that feminine side, I feel like that we can all kind of be scared sometimes without even realizing it to lean into because that it's in our nature to be nurturing and whatever that is, whether you want kids or not, it's like, that's just instinctively for women. That is part of who we are, Yeah, which is one of the best things ever. And I can recall a few times growing up, even seeing Like my mom, who um, she's always just been like this amazing person in my life and always athletic. Like we lived on a farm in Wisconsin. I mean, we worked hard and stuff, but she, I will never forget. There was a time when like Slim Fast in the nineties that like in those Mm. weird hands. I used to drink Slim Fast coming home from school all the time. Yes. kid. Oh my gosh. And I was like, this is so interesting to now as an adult, look back and realize like she had thought she needed that sometimes. And then I remember like I had said something to her of like, you don't need to be drinking this. And she stopped buying it because I think like hearing her own like daughter saying like, this is like, what are you doing, mom? Like you don't, cause slim fast in your head. You think as a kid, you're like, wait a second. Mm. Like, why is this a thing? Why is my mom feel like she has to do this? Because it's like in, you know, my eyes, your kid's eyes, I would say it's like you look at your parents or your guardians as like your heroes. You're like, wait, I don't know. You don't need to be doing this. Like, don't buy into this crap. Um, And it's such a, it is such an interesting thing because I'm sure as you know, too, it's like all the fads that come out or like the new thing of like, this is the new health craze of 2023 or, you know, whatever year it was. I mean, this year, I swear it's cottage cheese. I like cottage cheese, but I'm not about to make cottage cheese ice cream. Like that's just not my thing. (laughs) Don't tell me it tastes like cookie dough ice cream because I know it doesn't. (laughs) I know. I was like, some things just need to be the real thing. Like, don't mess with this. (laughs) Yes. It's always like that. There's always something coming out. And whether it is like a crazy diet or a nutrition phase, we always go towards that. Like, this is going to be it. This is going to be the thing that helps me. Right. When really just like leaning into you as an individual and your body. Um, I mean, I feel like at a very young age, especially for millennials, we were just slapped with like, birth control as a cure all to everything. And we were also told that like horrible cramping and periods was normal. Like when I was in high school, I came from a super conservative family, wasn't allowed to be on birth control, which I'm glad I wasn't that young, but my, I had 
the worst cramps. Like my, I would literally, I had a school note that said I could stay home from school once, like once a month, because I would genuinely like be throwing up on the bathroom floor. And my mom was like, this happened to me too. It gets better. She was like, it gets better when you have kids. Cause we didn't know. Right. And like in our minds, right. that was normal. And then the second we could get on birth control, we were on birth control for cramping or whatever. And that's just what we were taught. Yep. It's just like, a. I love how it's almost like, I did not come up with this. I read about it, but I was like, that's such a great way to compare like this generation is kind of the generation of like back in the day when people like gave up smoking, it's like people are giving up birth control. It's like, this is the generation that's doing that. And it's like, I'm quitting birth control because of X, Y, and Z. And I was briefly on, I think for a year or year and a half birth control in college. And it was for a variety of reasons, not my best decision ever. Um, it was also because I was dating someone at the time and I was like, oh, I think this might be a good idea. And in yeah. reality, not a good idea. Yeah. Do not go on birth control for somebody else. Like that was my advice of the day. Yeah. And I can just remember when I was on it, my emotions and kind of even how I viewed myself was completely different. Mm-hmm. And I know everybody has a different, you know, there's different types of birth control and all of that. But I just remember not feeling good about myself. And I was like, this is not normal. And when I went off, it took me probably over a year to kind of just like get back into a good rhythm and sync again, because it's all synthetic. Like you're not actually going through ovulation, like all these different phases and stuff. You're not actually bleeding when you're on birth control. It's all synthetic. And that is something that I find so interesting that isn't talked enough about. Cause when you go to the doctor's office, they're like, all right, which one do you want? It's like the guy that's got, you know, the trench coat. That's like, Oh, which watch do you want to buy? And it's so interesting to me because I can remember in health classes, we were taught how to use a tampon. We're just taught about that. We get our periods and that they're going to be painful or they might not be painful, but we weren't taught anything about like, the phases or how your emotions play into it, how to cope with your emotions. Like a dream of mine would be to be able to go into schools or help implement a program where girls are learning exactly what they need to know about their bodies because our health class was complete trash. It was not, it was not preparing you for anything. Minus here's a tampon, here's a condom, like use both of these. I actually wasn't even allowed in those classes. Like that's how I grew up. My parents pulled pulled me from those classes. So I wasn't allowed to learn about condoms. It was like abstinence. You have sex only for like procreation room for Jesus. Literally. That's how it was. (laughs) I got, even though I was in public school, I got pulled from all of those. So I never got the awkward health classes that anyone else got. But even then, like, you didn't miss out on much. I swear (laughs) it would have been so valuable. Like I'm on calls with women now that have been on birth control for years and years and want to get off it. Like, honestly, so many women have been on it since their teens and it's understanding that it is going to, it is going to impact your body when you're off of it, when your natural hormones have been turned off for that long. Yeah, exactly. And there's, there's also some interesting studies that I totally get, which 
I can now jokingly say like, oh, maybe that's why I didn't date the best people when I was on birth control <laughs> because the studies are wild. Attracted. Yes, it is insane. Like you are not attracted to the right type of people when you are on birth control, like mm-hmm. everything gets numbed and shut down. Um, but it is wild to read those and then also compare and contrast like when I was briefly on it and think, oh my gosh, I was not in my right state of mind. I was not making good decisions. Like this was because I wasn't, it wasn't a choice that I was making for me. Yeah. Is it the same for copper IUDs? Because I'll just roll with that then. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and copper IUDs my, are my still- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same thing. Um, Horrible life IUDs choice. These are so interesting too, because I had a friend who she went on the copper IUD and her entire body, just like it swelled up. Like she had essentially a reaction. And once like we figured it out and I was like, you should get that like potentially taken out, like see if something is up, like took it out, went back to normal. Everything was back to normal. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, you're putting a foreign object in your body Mm. and I love how they sell it. Just like anything else. Um, it's like, just take this tiny pill once a day. Yeah. Nothing, you know, these are some of the side effects, but then it's like, you roll out the side effects and it's like three pages long. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's not that big of a deal. Just take this daily and you'll be fine. Um, which I think is just so infuriating to, especially as a woman and like going into doctor's offices, because I feel like I've heard the same story and even lived through it a few times where you go in and you talk about, you know, you're going through these different changes, you're wanting support on your cycle. You want to make sure where your hormone levels are at and everything. And you get like birth control. Yes. They're like birth control or you get gaslit in some way, like medically, because that's a whole, that's a huge thing. Um, you could do and, a whole other episode on that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And yeah. also to say like, it's okay to fire. I, I like saying that because it feels empowering, but like, it's okay to fire your doctor or your OB or whoever you're working with. If it's not aligning with what you need and what you want. Yeah. Like that, I think is one of the biggest things where women just settle instead of, realizing like you have a choice. This is your body. This is your health. And you completely know your body better than anybody else. Yeah. And you shouldn't let somebody, especially even in the medical field, I don't care how many doctorate degrees, any of that you have, if you cannot connect with people, it's going to show. And those people are not going to want to work with you because you're, they're not being treated like an individual. Yeah. It's just like another number. Um, and I think that is one of the biggest frustrations, especially for women with their hormones and just their overall health, whether it's hormones, fertility, just like feeling good in their body and knowing intuitively that something is off and then being told like, oh no, no, it's all in your head. Yeah. I promise you it's not all in your head. <laughs> yeah. It's like, they almost don't believe you, but yet we're so in tune yes. with our bodies. Yeah. Yes. Also, Absolutely. let's talk about the fact that this is totally off, not I guess not totally off topic, but the fact that we are not prepared for like the pain from some of these procedures that were put through and they make it seem like it's nothing and then like push you out of the office. When I got my IUD, I threw up on the way home because it was so, it was the most pain I've ever felt in my entire life. And they're like, it's going to be a little pinch. And it, if I would have known, I, I don't think I would have ever got it. 
Yeah. It's, I think that's such a valid point. Like whether you're having something put in or like a full bone procedure done, the, especially like, I like to call it our portal, our Mm -hmm. vortex. I love it. Area is we store as women so much trauma there. I mean, that's why like lower back, if your lower back's acting up, you know, if, if there's anything emotionally you're holding on to or anything like that, there is trauma that can get stored in that area. And especially for them to not even think like everyone's going to feel different. And it is a major thing. You're putting a foreign object into somebody else's body. Like, yeah. And not knowing like what the side effects could be or emotionally how you can feel or anything like that. Because um, even with like anxiety and depression, that is something that has been brought up countless times. I know that I personally felt more anxiety than I ever had when I was on birth control. And that was something that I knew was off. And intuitively, I was like, I don't want to feel like this all the time. Like, why am I having these like anxious thoughts or not able to, you know, go out in public in certain situations and having just like almost needing to retreat constantly. Um, And everybody's different, obviously, but I don't think there is enough talk about that in support because when you go in, sometimes they just want to switch you to something else because Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, this isn't everybody, obviously, but it's like the whole symptom pill, symptom pill. Like we try out next. What can we, you know, try to put, put this person on to try to fix the problem, but it's just masking the problem that's deeper rooted. I would say that 80, at least 80% of the women that I see that are on birth control are also on some sort of anti-anxiety or antidepressant med and the birth control came first and then that came second. And you and I were chatting. So I'm curious your thoughts on this because birth control has so many different side effects for women. But Mm -hmm. when we were chatting before you were talking about how fertility rates are just continually declining. Oh yeah. Feel like birth control is the cause of that or part of the cause of that. I'm, I'm like curious your opinion on that just in general. So not a doctor, just going to put that out there. Cause you always got to say that. Um, I feel like there's a variety, there's a variety of reasons. And I feel like birth control personally, this is my hot take is a contributing factor to that. Mm-hmm. Because if you break it down, like we talked about earlier, you're going through a synthetic motion of it's putting, pushing different hormones into your body. Right. And your normal hormones in your body are kind of put on pause. They're not really sure what to do. And this is just how I imagine it in my head where they're kind of like, wait, we like, we got to stay down here. This is, you know, what the body's doing right now. And you're not ovulating when you are on birth control. You're not actually bleeding when you are on birth control. It's mm-hmm. synthetic bleeds. Um, and being on it, everybody's different. I have had clients who were on birth control for many years from a teenager, went off of it. Um, we worked together for like six months. And then six months later, they were pregnant. Yeah. This is different for everybody. This isn't like the magic pill, but 
you do have to put in the work after you've been on birth control, or let's say you're going through something else health wise, you do have to take a period of time. Like I always tell people like sometimes minimum six months is a realistic timeline to think about. You need to work on your body and get it back to equilibrium because we are exposed to so many more chemicals now mm-hmm. um, where our eyes are being open to them more and everything. Cause I mean, I know as a kid, I'm, I'm sure there was stuff that we were <laughs> exposed yeah, to. Absolutely. It was very interesting. Slim fast just in general. <laughs> right. Some slim fast. There's, there's yeah. one of people. And I mean, thinking about even it's like something as basic as water, mm. not all water is equal. Some water has pet like pesticides and all these different things in it. And that can be a tr- contributing factor to how your body's operating. Mm-hmm. And then also how it is able to potentially to create if you want to have a human being or not create. Yeah. And I do think it's such a huge issue that is being addressed because it's like, even if you don't want to have kids fertility in general is so important for women's health. Yeah. Overall health. Like you do not have to want to have kids, but like you should be going through the four Mm -hmm. phases of your cycle, even if you don't want to have kids. Um, And even for men, like testosterone rates are lower than ever and they're continuing to decline. It's wild. Okay. This may, this might not be totally accurate, but if you Google, like what's the sperm count in like 2050 or 2045, it's zero. Yeah. Like that's what it's predicted to be. Yes. And that's scary that that is even a prediction because a variety of reasons. I mean, for men's health, but also for procreation in general. Yeah. And it is wild to think about like, men and women different as far as like hormones and stuff, but at the same time, hormones are equally important to both men and women mm-hmm. and fertility can fr- affect men and women. Cause it's not always, I mean, I always think it's funny, like in the movies or something, if you, you know, sometimes portrayed, it's like, it's the woman she's got issues. And then sometimes it's like, no, it's actually the guy like yeah. also looking at that. And I think one of the big things that kind of got me interested in adding into my work, um, which was me getting my doula certification this year is noticing how couples, if they're in it together, like if you are starting to make healthier choices, usually the partner will start to follow suit. Yeah. Which is so important. So it's like, if you're taking six months prior to even trying to conceive, your partner should actively be participating in that as well in his, you know, his or her own way. And I don't think that's talked about enough because it should not be solely on the woman to get healthy, feel healthier, like kind of make these choices to prepare your body to try to conceive. Yeah. Because everybody's differently. Everybody's got a different health background. And I mean, there's a variety of things that can be causing fertility issues. If you have, let's say only because I'm going to use myself as an example, since these are things that happened to me historically, but I was, I lived in two different houses that had mold. I had to do protocols for those. I also had a liver fluke. So that is a parasite 
which is disgusting. But I had that in college based yeah. on something that I ate. Um, it, I think it came from not good sushi, which was very not fun um, to go through that. But it's like all these things I prepared my body. My body was definitely not ready at the time to have a kid. But like years prior to my now husband and I even trying or even thinking about having a kiddo, like I put in this work to ensure that my body was healthy. So if down the road, this was an active choice that we wanted to make Mm -hmm. that I would be set up like myself and us as a couple would be set up for success. Yeah. Because there are so many different factors that I don't think are talked about enough when it comes to fertility especially in the quote unquote, like normal Western medicine. Mm. I think there needs to be more blending of like alternative, holistic, Western, Eastern, all of it. Um, Because even for me, like I love being able to support other healers. And one of my personal, like biggest things that I've always done, especially when I was going through hormone issues or when I was recovering from mold or anything else. And even now during pregnancy was acupuncture. And that is something that I know is not everybody's cup of tea, but it's like, if you find something that works for you, that is also going to support you continue to do it. It is a hundred percent worth the investment. It's worth feeling better because there's always a different route for you to take. Yeah. Like just because you go in and they say, oh, you have this percent chance of having kids or you have to go on birth control because of these factors. There is also another path that you can go down mm-hmm. that just like not relying on just that one opinion. Yeah. I think it's so important for people to remember because it's not a one size fits all. And there is not one person, especially in the health field. Um, so I feel like Sometimes people can get this whole like God complex when they're in the health field of like, oh, I can solve all of your problems. Run. If somebody mm-hmm. says, yeah, honestly. And like having a team is so important. Like I love being able to refer out. I love being able to say, hey, let's look up in your area. If you're interested in, you know, acupuncture or a chiropractor or whatever it is, any alternative things, let's find someone else that we can like work with. Because I think that is so important to remember is your health journey, your fertility journey, whatever it is, isn't going to be solved by one person. Mm. And it's not going to be just like that. It's not going to be a quick fix. It's not like, Oh, three months later, I'm, I'm healed. Yeah. No, it's a continued journey. Ongoing thing. Yeah. It's like you and I were chatting before about how women, you just have to advocate for your own health and you Mm -hmm. have to make choices based on your body, not typically based on what everyone else says or just what your doctor says, right? Because it might not be the right route for you, especially with you going into, you know, being certified and being a doula, everybody's birth story is going to look so different. Oh my gosh. Yes. And that's even my own because I have been obviously like envisioning and welcoming in and manifesting however you want to say it, like all these different things. A I am pain-free such- birth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just wake up. And I'll just be glowing. <laughs> right. Like, no, no, no. I'm going to be sweating. I'm going to be primal, like yeah. making some in it. Yeah. like in it. Um, I think that is one of the 
coolest things is knowing that I'm going to be able to show up for other women mm. in that regard for something that is so in my, like, I think of it as a very sacred, very primal, beautiful thing that we are able to do with our bodies. I mean, there's no other feeling like it. And especially being pregnant, there are times I'm like, there is a human being in me. Like I grew eyelashes, I grew bones. Like, so if you think you can't do something, I'm like, no, 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 just wait. If you choose to have kids, it's like, you grow all these things. You grow a human being inside you. Yes. Like you grow a human being inside you. That is unreal. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and such a beautiful thing to be a part of and support women in, because I feel like as a society in some ways and everywhere is different around the world, but I think the universal, um, outlook of birth is that it's this beautiful thing. It is sacred and it's something that you totally do have to experience to just like kind of comprehend um and just be in awe of like I freaking did this yeah like I grew this human and then I went through like you know you're nine months you're like preparing your body you're doing you're doing all the things to help support you and the baby and then when that moment comes when they're ready to come into the world holding them for the first time like that I cannot wait for that experience to like go through that. I am so excited. Um, and then you get to help so many other women after that, which is so cool. Exactly. Yeah. And to be able to feel empowered versus your voice or your even view, like anything that you want for your birth. Like, I think that is why I wanted to become a doula is to help advocate for what they specifically wanted. Because at the end of the day, it is your choice what you want. Yeah. You know, everyone can have an opinion and everything, but it's like at the end of the day, what do you want? Like, how do you want this to look? If these things happen, like I'm there to help guide. Yeah. Um, and I think that is one of the most profound things to be a part of and support women through. Do you feel like, like, obviously some C-sections are 100,000% necessary. Do you feel like the medical industry in general pushes C-sections more than they need to? I love how like juicy we're getting on this. Um, like not holding back. Um, yes. Yeah. So something that I think is very interesting is the percentage of C-sections. So if you look at like different hospitals and stuff, the lower the C-section rate, the better. Mm. Obviously there are times when certain things happen at the end of the day, like as a doula, as a human being, mom and baby safety, number one priority. We'll never ever change that whatsoever. But, um, for me personally, we, uh, we were going to do a home birth. There is a few reasons we're not. And, we're doing a birth center that is like a home birth that I feel so comfortable, so confident in the team of midwives, the team of doulas there. And it's very interesting going from, I had an OB for a little bit and it was one of the worst experiences ever. My first appointment, I cried after because I was like, this is ridiculous. Um, 
So I fired my OB and had my medical records transferred over, which was also a whole other thing. If somebody ever tells you that medical records are going to take seven to 10 business days, like this is a UPS package, email them saying, you need to get this to me in two to three days maximum. Um, Because that's what I did. I was like, this is insane. You guys are- You have them right in front of you. (laughs) Yes. Like it's right there. I- have worked with medical records historically, um, like as an intern and stuff. And I was like, it doesn't take that long. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think that they push it in certain instances, which is unfortunate. It is a major surgery. It is also your choice. If I know some people want to have C-sections. One of the things I would tell if you have one, whether you want it or not, go to therapy, get body work work on that healing because that can be very traumatic later on. Yeah. Uh, And it is unfortunate that they are being pushed now more than ever. Um, One of the best things that you can do for yourself, whether you're going to have kids or not, or just learning more about how things kind of operate here Mm -hmm. in some ways is watching the documentary, the documentary, the business of being born. It is profound, the studies that are done, the studies that are left out in certain situations. Um, For instance, the Dutch, they, and a few other countries do promote, like, having a home birth first, hospital second. In certain instances, obviously, if you're at risk for XYZ, there are going to be conversations had. Mm -hmm. But... It is not like this is a new thing. Um, I do think it's everybody has an opinion on mm-hmm. where birth should happen, this, that, the other thing. Um, I think that's why like we've kept some of our stuff private because I know that everyone's going to have an opinion. But at the end of the day, like I said earlier, like I'm never going to put myself at risk or the baby at risk. Yes. Like, that, that's never going to happen. And yeah. but it is so interesting how it feels more like a business transaction when you are in a hospital setting. Yeah. Not all of them are created like that, but the vast majority is just like in and out, in and out, in and out. Yeah. Um, Which is very unfortunate because you can kind of almost get disconnected from the entire birth experience, especially Mm -hmm. if you're the one going through it or Like, let's say you're a doula that ends up at a hospital with your client or a midwife that's in that situation and is seeing things differently and is like, this feels like so transactional, not Mm -hmm. intimate, not supportive of the mom. Because at the end of the day, it's like, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing is supporting Supporting the mom to make sure that, yes, to make sure that this is a positive experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I knew it was going to be a juicy question when I asked it because <laughs> I'm learning more as like, I mean, I've seen so many of my friends have babies and experiences and amazing stories and horror stories. You hear really the full spectrum, which again, oh, yeah. I think it's always coming back to intuition on like what feels good for you. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think one of the best things that I've done through my pregnancy, I've only read like two or three birth books. Mm-hmm. They were ones that I was interested in. Um, And otherwise, sometimes asking other people that I just like feel good about talking about. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'm 
a big advocate for always set boundaries, but especially when you're pregnant, because people will try to say like, oh, just wait for this. Just wait for that. I'm like, well, everybody's experience is going to be different. And my husband and I are just so grateful for this experience, but we're also, we're going to figure it out. We're going to learn different things. Yeah. There's people that we look up to, but I was like, it's going to be a different experience for everybody. There's no guarantee about anything. Yeah. Comes into the world. You know, one of my girlfriends said, you never get more opinions on things until you have a baby. And then every single person gives you their opinion on what you should do, what you shouldn't do. And at the end of the day, you get to figure it out on your own. Exactly. It's um, just like taking it with a grain of salt. That's how I view it. And I know that people mean well, but at the same time, I've never felt like more protective of mm-hmm. something or like hard set on like, that's great, but this is my boundary. We're not going, <laughs> yeah. we're not going past it. Um, You're kind of tiptoeing past it. I'm going to bring you back. Yes. I'm like, let's, well, let's turn it back because I think that's part of it too, is having people almost it's like this fear that can, like these unrealistic fear factors that can come in. Um, and I noticed that that was part of the reason with my old OB. Um, cause I was like, I don't even know why I did this. Like, I just wanted to honestly make sure I'm actually pregnant, like see where I'm at. And then I was going to figure stuff out after, but having such a bad experience, it was like very transactional. Um, I felt like I was treated like a dumb 29 year old that was pregnant in yeah. certain instances. Like that is the narrative that felt that was coming at me yeah, and not being able to like, cause I had so many great questions and everything. And I was like, Oh, so like this happens. Bah, bah, bah. And I felt like this irritation from the OB and team that I was asking all these questions. And then also saying like, Oh yeah, do my doula certification. I know like X, Y, and Z could happen or, you know, what are your thoughts on this? Trying to just have an active conversation. And it was just like automatically shut down. And obviously not all OBs are like this, but it was just something that I was like, there's no way that I'm making this amazing experience Mm -hmm. be shitty by taking the time to like continue to go to appointments with these people. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way I'm letting them taint this for me. Oh, well, I love everything that you advocate for, for women and everything that you stand for and just helping women reconnect to their bodies on whatever feels good for them. I think that's what I, why I'm so drawn to like your message is because it really is about like the individual woman, whether it is hormones or losing your cycle or birth or just advocating for your health. Um, where can women find you and connect with you? Everyone can find me. So at hot cost buns on Instagram and I'm on threads, but I'm not, I'm not very active. I'm not active on threads. I was like this, um, Instagram and then TikTok as well, but I am total millennial. So TikTok is not, not my biggest factor. And then the wellfedwoman.com as well. We're, we're glued to the gram. It just, that's, how I know. It- I was like, this is, I got one, one, one trick here guys. Yeah. Well, I will have all of Mackenzie's info in the show notes and thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much, Katie. 
If you vibe with this episode, I would love to hear from you. You know at Crying Burns Calories, we are all about community and connection and just changing the conversation about life for women. So if this episode was helpful for you, I would love if you could tag me, share it on your Instagram stories so I can thank you and also so we can just continue to get the message out and growing this amazing community.